0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is believe. This episode of Gagan Preston is brought to you by Manscaped, the premier brand for male grooming. And you can get 20% off all their products at manscaped.com by using the code Gagan2021. That's G-E-G-E-N-2021.
1: war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanzt vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäbe sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht, komm dir entgegen. Hallo und welcome to Gegenpressing. The Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is the area manager and writer for transfer, Mark Manuel Veth.
2: Manu, how you doing? I'm doing really well today, Bryce, and it's exciting. Show two hundred. Who would have thought it, right? I mean, we've been this is our fifth season now. And I I'd never thought that we would actually record two hundred episodes um, of the Game Pressing podcast. So. Really excited and really excited. I mean, sad Chris can't make it today. He's uh, busy doing the Amazon stuff, but we have a very special guest this week and really excited about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been 200 very fun episodes for us, hasn't it? And yet it's it's crazy to think that we're in our fifth year, but... um, yeah, let, let's just keep it going. But um, as you said, Manu, you know, for a very special occasion, we need a very special guest. So we've we've went out of our way to get a, about as good as it's going to get. And that is uh, FIFA and Bundesliga commentator Derek Ray. Derek, thank you very much for taking the time out and coming on to our 200th show.
0: Hi, Bryce. Hi, Manu. Thank you for the invitation. It's always a pleasure to be on with you guys and especially resonant given the milestone number 200. So yeah, this should be great fun.
1: Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, Derek, um, it's always great to hear you on the TV and I must say on Twitter as well, your, your backyard Bundesliga stories. Uh, they've, they've been fantastic this last year. I've, I've really enjoyed them. And I expect if Kuhn managed to stay up, that you'll be doing one with a cigar in your hand.
0: <laughs> well, maybe influenced by Paul Dardai of Hertha on German TV last night on ZDF. I'm not a cigar smoker, but maybe I could be tempted if Kuhn can do that. This, but yeah, the back garden Bundesliga is always enjoyable at this time of year with the cherry blossom and all the other things blooming in the garden. And there's just so much to talk about. Every day there's a news story. And of course, much of it has to do with the changing table in the Bundesliga and also in the Zweite Bundesliga.
2: Before we get into that, can we just yeah. talk about Paul Dadai and smoking a cigar on public television yeah. in Germany? I mean, how cool <laughs> was that? <laughs>
0: I thought it was incredible. I, uh, I I took a picture of it because, you know, where else do you see that? It doesn't happen often, does it? And it just looked as though he was being himself. You know, there was nothing particularly contrived about it. This is Pal Dardai, every man, you know. Um, Herta fans absolutely love him. And... He's done the job that he was brought in to do. He's kept Hertha in the Bundesliga. It remains to be seen if he has a long term future as coach there, but he'll take that to the bank. And I know a lot of Hertana, and they are chuffed to
1: bits. And so they should be. And you're absolutely right, guys. It's just great to see something a little bit different and a little bit, well, fun, Will we say, especially with the yeah. last year that we've all had. eh? But um, yeah, let, let's get to it. Um, as Manu said, we've got plenty to talk about. I'm looking at the list on my page and thinking, wow. Um, let's get going with not the Bundesliga, but start with Thursday night's DFB-Pokal final.
2: Look at the space here for Dortmunds. Leipzig forced to
1: overcommit. Sancho to Haaland. space to shoot, and that's four-one. Surely now the cup is Dortmund's. Two for Haaland. Everything is going Dortmund's way. Yes, it was a somewhat emphatic victory for Borussia Dortmund four-one against RB Leipzig. That emphatic that it was actually 3-0 at half time. Derek, uh, before we speak about the game itself, it has to be said that it was a little sad not to see fans in the ground on such a special occasion.
0: Yeah, undoubtedly. And I think we were ready for this. We knew this would be another Geisterspiel as it was in the final a year ago between Bayern and Bayer Leverkusen. But yeah, I mean, it could have done with that backdrop, with that soundtrack, but not to be. And let's hope for everyone's sake, that that will go down as the last Geisterspiel for a DFB Pokal final. Uh, But the game itself was vibrant and it was full of talking points. And I think hats off to Borussia Dortmund and hats off to Edin Terzic because he got his tactics right as he has been doing in recent matches. And we saw really from the start that Leipzig were the team with possession and Dortmund were the team happy to allow them to have that possession and then play to their strengths on the counter-attack. And there's been this evolution, I feel, under Edin Terzic in the last few weeks. You know, he took a bit of time at the starts when he took over the reins to change things. And there were some wobbles, but they know much more who they are or who they're trying to be now. And I think it was quite deliberate. They were saying to Leipzig, yep, yeah, you know, you can have the ball, you can knock it around to your heart's content, but we will be there for those to use the, the German words, Manu, uh, Umschaltmomente, the switch of play, the, the change of possession. And they used those situations to great effect. And, you know, you think about what Marco Reus did with the, with that, that, that one particular uh, Umschaltmoment. And um, Reus was my man of the match. Uh, I think Dortmund did all they had to do, really, in the first half. And yes, in the second half, there was a sag. Some of that was allowing Leipzig to come at them. It was a bit sloppy from Dortmund in places, but nobody can tell me they didn't deserve to win the Pokal over the 90 minutes.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Derek, you're you're spot on with that. And Manu, it really does seem like Terzic has gone out of his way to prove any
2: early doubters wrong. Yeah, Umschaltspiel is such a beautiful word, Derek. I love it. It is.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, indeed.
2: It's one of those great uh, German words that you really can't translate. Kind of like gegenpressing too, right? It's a, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think you're spot on. I think Terzic, Terzic had his match plan completely right. And I've seen now a few games where Nagelsmann has really been kind of outplayed in that regard. Uh, Today was a a great example. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but today was a great example of that again, where his opponents really kind of gave Leipzig the ball and said, well, good luck. Here's the ball. Try try to figure it out. And then um, when Dortmund did win the ball, it was very quick in, in transition. And I think... Before the game, I thought that Dortmund are going to win it because they just seemed more up for it. In the entire build-up throughout the week, there was sort of a a sense of negativity around Leipzig, whether it was Nagelsmann, the players, um, the entire, the surroundings. It felt all very negative, whereas in Dortmund, there was a real desire to win a trophy again. And I really had a feeling that Dortmund would win it, but I did not think that it would be 3-0 after 45 minutes. I, I think no one really thought that was possible. And... I am a hundred percent with you. Marco Reus uh, was excellent. Uh, he's been—he was the man of the match. He was involved, I think, in three out of the four goals. Yeah, and he was also excellent t- today. <laughs> and it's—he—it seems like for the first time in his entire career, he's hitting peak performance just before a tournament. And. I was so happy for him that he's won this trophy because, of course, he's won the DFB Pokal with Dortmund before. But remember the last time he won the DFB Pokal with Dortmund, he he tore his ACL, and this time he he's won it, and um, it's just you could just see um, almost the relief that he's now has that trophy, was voted man of the match, and that he is in such an an amazing run of form, and that has also led Dortmund back back to the Champions League. I think this is another thing we didn't expect them to do it, and yeah, Terzic is probably a very really big part of it. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with him next year because he has sort of transformed this team into a side that very much looked like not going to make the Champions League, seven points out of Frankfurt. And now they have won the Pokal. They qualified for Europe. Uh, a season that seemed awful is now very good. And yeah, I think the two faces of that success, in my opinion, are Terzic and, and uh, Marco Reus.
1: Yeah it it seems like they've really achieved something quite special there not just with the cup final but you're know, pulling back you know that opportunity to get into the Champions League you're really well done Terzic. Uh, Derek, we, we we'll talk a little bit as we move on about the uh, incredible merry-go-round of coaches in the Bundesliga but you're just sticking on Terzic at the moment. I mean he he's to stay at Dortmund uh with Rosa but Do you see other clubs now coming in and saying, well, we want to take a punt on this guy. Look at all that he's achieved.
0: Well, I was listening to the great Olaf Torn talking about this on Sport 1 the other night, and I think he made a number of very good points. First of all, the landscape has changed now for Edin Terzic we thought that yeah he was going to get some experience he was going to put that to good use and then he would go back to be part of the staff under Marco Rosa and learn more and maybe one day go back to being a head coach again but I mean look at what he's achieved I mean you know he has ticked every box now for Borussia Dortmund just when it looked as though that wasn't going to happen and you know the Pokal is a wonderful thing to win any time you know he's done it at a time when Dortmund haven't won a trophy in Four years, and he's got them into the Champions League uh, before the end of the season, match day 33. It's happened. So um, I think that now you've got to look at Terzic through a different lens. I want Olaf Torn. Uh, was saying was, yes, you know, people can say and, and Vatska can say, well, he's under contract and we know the situation now and, and he's happy. Yeah, I mean, he might be, but he said in all his interviews after the Pokal win, you know, let me enjoy this. You know, don't ask me questions right now about my future. Let me enjoy this victory uh, in the Pokal. And, and everybody is entitled to have that time to to celebrate and to reflect on, on what you've just done. Um, I, I think when you get to midsummer. Um, I, I'm of the belief that with these jobs open and we know which jobs are open of course the most high profile one would be Eintracht Frankfurt uh, Leverkusen potentially open as well not sure Hannes Wolff has done enough to make Rudi Fuller and Simon Rolfes think that yeah he is absolutely the guy uh, Wolfsburg up in the air with Oliver Glasner so I, I think that for all those jobs somebody like Edin Terzic Really should be attractive, and what I like about him, Bryce and Manu, is that he has the ability to put across the sort of the the concept of what he's trying to do in a very human way. You know, there's nothing robotic about Edin Terzic. He comes across as a human guy, but an intelligent guy, and somebody who who knows football, somebody who can be on the same level as the players, but still command their respect. He's young. He's got everything going for him. Um, I think he, he just needs a bit of time. The clubs need a little bit of time. But I'll make my prediction. I'll be surprised if he's not the head coach somewhere else come the middle of the summer.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all, Derek. I think you could be very right with that one. Um, Manu, let's talk um, a little bit about uh, RB Leipzig. Then, obviously, everyone at the club will be disappointed you know, with their loss in the final, especially losing you know, in, in that sort of way. But no one will be as disappointed as, I would imagine, Julian Nagelsmann, especially when he leaves in the summer. This would have been a great way to go out uh what exactly went wrong in the game that it was so one-sided and you know if you can put a finger on that is that something that Bayern should be concerned about
2: yeah I made a I made a joke on, on Twitter that wasn't you know very much tongue-in-cheek and said like hopefully Bayern kept the receipt for that 25 million euro purchase <laughs> um yeah that's harsh I mean it's one game right but um there's there's been a strong desire for Leipzig, and I mean, don't want to say that they own us. We all know how the relationship really works. But Red Bull, in particular, who, who have invested a lot of money into the club as, to further their brand to win something, whether it be the Bundesliga, whether it be the Pokal. Uh, Dietrich Mateschitz, and he has been public about this, has said that one day he wants to see one of his clubs win the Champions League. Uh, we all know that's going to be unlikely to be Salzburg, so Leipzig it is, right? And there's been a strong desire for in Leipzig for the team to finally win something. And I mean, yes, it's only been 12 years, but, you know, they want to have something tangible. And I was in Berlin two years ago for the final against Bayern Munich in a game where they I thought they were better. And, you know, Manuel Neuer stood on his head and was my man of the match and... They didn't win that night, but there was a sense that night when you spoke to all the players and everyone involved in the club that soon, it's going to happen soon. And I think there is a sense now of disappointment in Leipzig. And there's been a sense about disappointment, I think, ever since Nagelsmann made the announcement that he was going to leave and go, go to Munich. And um, I think there's been a sense that maybe that that relationship that they thought they had with the head coach wasn't quite what was was very one sided. It Was the club towards the coach, but the club for Nagelsmann, it was Leipzig was always only going to be a stepping stone to eventually go home to go back to Munich and to coach Bayern. I think um, Leipzig now realized that that was the case, and I think for Nagelsmann, th- this is a this is not a not a good situation either. Because I'm mean, curious to hear what you think about this, Derek. But when you go to Bayern. You are already jumping into a shark tank. You jump jumping into a club that no club, no, like no other club in the world has as their brand that you always have to win every single competition, every single game. I mean, people that look from the outside into the Bundesliga and say, "Well, this is the league that Bayern dominate and win every year," but that's because for Bayern not to win is a massive failure. They take winning titles so very serious. And I always think back when I was at Frankfurt against Bayern and Niko Kovac beating Bayern and um, recounting how important that was actually was for Kovac to walk into the dressing room and say, look, here's the Pokal. I beat you guys last year. I won this trophy. I already have silverware. And even with that, it was so very difficult for him there. And I actually personally think that for Nagelsmann not having won this trophy could become a pretty big problem once he walks into that shark tank at Bayern Munich. And I'm curious what you think about this, Derek, but I I just don't have a very good feeling about it.
0: I probably have a slightly better feeling than you do, Manu, but I take your point that the pressure is on. It has been increased now because Julian Nagelsmann hasn't managed to win a trophy with Leipzig. And, you know, where I go along with you completely is, yes, at Bayern from day one, It is just a completely different narrative. You know, Leipzig, yes, they're ambitious. Yes, they have money behind them. Yes, they see themselves being part of the the top two or three in Germany for the long haul, but it's not the same as Bayern. And you go in there and you've got to be able to roll with the punches and play politics, you know, because um, I don't think there's a more political situation for a coach uh, than at Bayern, because of how successful they are, uh, because of the dynamic there, because of all these you know very credible but opinionated ex players who are behind the scenes in various capacities, and you sink or swim you know in that shark tank as you 've said, so I think it would have done him a lot of good to have won a trophy. That hasn't happened. But I still believe in the guy. I still think he's an excellent coach. I think it's sort of gone the wrong way these last few weeks. I'm not going to say since he made the announcement that he was going to Bayern, but I think they have dropped off a little bit anyway, which might just speak to the demands of this pandemic season. Uh, But I still believe that Bayern have made the right choice with Nagelsmann. Um, I'm going to be interested to see if Leipzig have made the right choice with Jesse Marsh. They probably have, but we won't know until we see exactly what style of play we're going to get with Marsh and Leipzig. I think it'll be different. I don't think it'll be as possession uh, emphasized. I think it'll be much more going back to what we used to see with Ralf Hasenhüttl and Ralf Rangnick in charge. But that's for the future. And so to stay with Nagelsmann and with regard to his future, I think it's one to watch, but he's going to have to hit the ground running and the pressure will most certainly be on.
2: Do you think, Derek, that Bayern will give him a bit more patience than maybe some of the other coaches that they have hired in the past because of of the price tag? And the price tag is massive. I mean, 25 million including bonuses. That's... I think we had it calculated in Transfermarkt that makes him the 15th most expensive transfer period in Bundesliga history. So... Do you think that will give him a bit more room than other head coaches?
0: I think so. I think also the length of the contract. I mean, almost unheard of for a coach to be given a five-year contract by Germany's Rekordmeister. So the transfer fee or the the buyout, if you like, the um, the length of contract. You know that tells you the story. And I think you know, as distinct from when Kovac was hired, you know, if we go back in time to that period. Kovac was never the sort of the, the, the guy who was going to to cure all ills at Bayern. And he was the one that they had identified years before as being the person who was Bayern material. With Nagelsmann, I mean, we've all, haven't we, been talking about this for two, three, maybe even four years, you know, since he first came to prominence at Hoffenheim. Um, we've looked at what he's achieved we know about his background a guy from Landsberg am Lech who grew up following Bayern uh, and we we've known that this is probably going to be in his future and Bayern have really pushed the boat out to get him so I think even if there is some sort of element of doubt, which I'm not sure there will be, but you know, let's just say at the end of the Hinrunde next season, Bayern are fourth and are you know, struggling in the Champions League, which almost never happens in the group stage. I think even then Bayern would say, no, we're committed to this guy. We believe in him and we'll stand behind him when that might not happen with a different person in charge.
1: Well, guys, we've talked about RB. We've talked about Bayern, in a way, with Nagelsmann going there. Um, And, yeah, we've talked about Dortmund. Uh, I feel, though, with Dortmund getting into the Champions League, we we need to touch on a little bit Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, Manu, it seemed like only a few match days ago that they were guaranteed to be playing Champions League football next year. And that's all fallen apart. And probably one of the most surprising results of the weekend was them losing to Schalke. Yes, Schalke, 4-3. Um, what exactly has gone on here? They, they they really have just fallen apart recently.
2: I think it's a very big opportunity lost by Eindracht Frankfurt to really make the next step in in the football club's development. I think that Eindracht Frankfurt, and we have said this, I think ever since we've been making this show over the last five years, that this is a team that's a sleeping giant in a city that has a massive financial fall. The... I think when you look at what happened in Frankfurt ever since that announcement by Adi Hütter that he's going to leave and go to Gladbach, and then they lost to Gladbach, and it's essentially a seven point lead evaporated to a situation where a match day 33, they're out of the running to qualify for Europe or for the Champions League. Yes, the Europa League is, uh, is a nice asset, but um, I don't think it's going to be what they needed as a, as a club. And I think that's really it. Really does come. I think a lot of the things come down to head coaches going early, and I think there is a new situation now with these young charismatic guys. And yeah, okay, Hutter is not the youngest guy anymore. But you look at Rose Klapper, for example, where these young coaches come in, and in Germany, the head coach is not the main decision maker in in the football club, right? He's not a manager like it is the case in England, but he does have um, a lot of power when it comes to training, when it comes to coaching, and he has some say in transfers. That's done by the, the sporting director, who are probably the most powerful position. But what he's really seen in German football, and this is whether it's Nagelsmann, whether it's Rose, whether it's Hütter, is that they seem to almost develop this bond with the players, with very flat hierarchies, where the, where the head coach becomes almost a part of the team, right? Where it's almost something where they become this personality that they are able to, through through their um, charisma, to really form teams and propel them forward, right? It's not just tactical, it's also charismatic leadership. The problem with that charismatic leadership is that when you say, okay, well, look, uh, I, I, I'm getting a transfer out of here, that can really fall apart on you. And I think it really ruins the dynamics of of a football club that is run that way. And we've seen it in Gladbach, we've seen it in Frankfurt now. And people can tell me all sorts of things that they're still committed to the club, they're committed till the very end. But I don't know. If you if you end the contract early like this and say, Well, I I, I why would I as a player still believe we can make it the Champions League if the head coach is not even really firmly believe, believing in that project anymore. And I think that's something that maybe needs to be addressed um, in the long haul is how do you work with the relationship between the coach and and the players and the club? And maybe I talked about this last, last week, Derek, on the podcast um, and on another show as well, actually. There's this wonderful word in German called Planungssicherheit. And yep. it, football teams in Germany take it almost to this... To an extreme level, that they want planning security, so planning security before the new season even starts, which has, in my opinion, led to this whole disaster of in all, all these different coaches leaving because the team's already want planning security for the following season before the current season is even wrapped up. And I, I, I don't know how you see it, but I actually feel like this like cool idea of being early on and ready for the next season may have ruined a few clubs' prospects this year.
0: Yeah, I think I'm probably revising my opinion on this because I've always been uh, a believer in sort of what you said earlier, Manu, that, yeah, you know, we're all uh, human beings who uh, work in our own ways and... We should be able to deal with this. We should be able to say, yeah, OK, you know, I'm on, under contract with this club until the end of the season. But I'm then going to a different club next season. I know that in, say, the Anglo world, this is very odd. You know, they, they don't really understand um, what has been sort of a German business practice in football for a long time. That um, you know, you you see out your contract and then you go somewhere else. But of course, the difference here is that we've had these buyouts and, and they are something new. Uh, I'm talking about buyouts. Um, to the tune of several million euro. You know, that's something that we haven't seen in the past. And there's no doubt that we have to look at um, evidence. We have to look at at what has happened. And it's very clear that this season, what has happened to the clubs whose coaches have said that they are off uh, later in the campaign, uh, has not been positive. You know, it, it began with Gladbach and Marco Rose. And, you know, it has extended to... Uh, Adi Hütter, and also to an extent, maybe to Julian Nagelsmann, although less so, because that was quite late in the day uh, in terms of the season as a whole. But yeah, it's maybe something that has to be looked at and revised. And, you know, maybe there's a good reason why these decisions aren't made uh, in the course of a season. And yeah, to the, to the subject of Planung Sicherheit, as you've said, security of planning, um, You just wonder, you know, you wonder how much security of planning there is now for these clubs. I think the one thing, though, is and I don't know if you agree with me on this or not. And maybe we don't have too much time to discuss it. But I think that um, you're right. These coaches are becoming ever bigger personalities. And there used to be much more, I think, a line of demarcation between the sporting division. They're making all the decisions about about uh, signing players, about scouting, and the, the coach, the trainer, gets on with coaching. I think we're seeing more and more, and this was, I think, one of the problems with Hansi Flick at Bayern. We're seeing coaches as their profile is heightened. We're seeing them want to be more and more involved in, in aspects that previously weren't the purview of coaches, and that can lead to complications as well. But, um, yeah, I think we've entered a slightly new world and i think these coaches are becoming bigger celebrities with bigger agents with bigger buyout clauses and yeah a lot has changed
2: i'm actually 100 percent with you on that derek uh, we, we're just going to make the time and chat about this very quickly sorry bryce yeah because i, I think you're 100 percent right by me. <laughs> because these coaches are becoming ever bigger personalities yeah just look at hansi flick at bayern munich and the sort of um, idolization that he experienced and rightfully so he's won six trophies in his first eight months or so I mean that's remarkable I don't think the world has ever seen anything like it and then of course when you are this successful as a head coach you want to have a word and who you're going to coach and you want to have say okay look I need this player and I need that player and I need this guy and Hansi Flick had a lot of conflicts with, at Bayern Munich about what players are going to get signed and which ones are not. And there's been all sorts of lists published. We discussed them on this podcast, whether they're true or not. But I think you see it also at other teams. At Eindracht Frankfurt, for example, I know that Adi Hütter wanted more influence. Um, when, As Freddy Bobic, we all knew he was going to go to, and he's now gone to Hertha, right? And Hütter wanted some more influence there and maybe necessarily didn't get it. But... You know, maybe he's gonna get more of a say at Gladbach, even though I'm not sure Max Ebel is gonna give him that. And yeah. you see that at with Rose, maybe at, at Dortmund as well, that they're gonna say, "Look, who do you want?" Or maybe the players that he wants are already there. Uh, Nagelsmann, I mean, this is this is going to be, I think, it's going to be very interesting because I think Nagelsmann wants that input, and the question is, is he going to get it? I, I don't think so, because we all know who's in charge of Bayern Munich, and. You see it not just with these guys. I mean, you see Jurgen Klopp, for example, he's gone to Liverpool, right? And he he has, like Michael Edwards makes the signings there, right? But he has, he has input into the transfers. He sits on the committee. You see it with Thomas Tuchel, who's now publicly said, okay, well, he's not going to be big about the transfers. But make no mistake, Thomas Tuchel has opinions about transfers, right? And... You see some of these German, bigger German personality coaches who all come from this Ralf Rangnick school talking about a guy who was more of a sporting director than a head coach and they all want more influence. And I think that's a big part of it. And I think that is changing and it's almost become part of this cult of personality that these a lot of these head coaches are developing. And I don't mean that in a negative way because they are in a very important position. And let's be honest here, their head is the first to roll if something goes wrong.
1: Yeah, so I, I think we could talk coaches, couldn't we, uh, for, for days and days on this podcast, especially with what all's going on in the Bundesliga of late. And I'm sure we'll get to a, another uh, coaching uh, <laughs> topic as well, with another uh, coach being r- relieved of his position uh, further into the podcast. But in the meantime, let's talk about a player that we only ever seem to have good things to say about, and that's Robert Lewandowski.
0: Lewandowski to equal the records! Loving Lewandowski! An all-time Bundesliga great is now a legend and he knows who he's got to thank for setting the record in the first place.
2: Cap Moller.
1: Yes, so unbelievably, he's managed to score 40 goals this Bundesliga season. 28 games it's taken him. Um, he's not equal with Gert Müller's uh, fantastic and we thought possibly unbreakable record. But uh, Derek, it's finally happened. He's got one game left to play. Um, what a feat. Astonishing. And I think most of
0: us who have been following German football for a while... Never thought we would actually live to see this day. Uh, I, for the life of me, I did not think that anybody would ever beat that record set by Geert Müller, 1971, 72. It just seemed to come from, uh, you know, from, <laughs> from 200 years ago rather than the early 70s. And um, the chances of somebody matching it just seemed remote, yeah, even somebody as superhuman as Robert Lewandowski. But then as this season wore on with each passing game, we began to sense, yeah, actually, he's going to do it. And then, of course, he picked up the injury, and we wondered, has he left himself enough games to be able to do it? And, yeah, you know, he's done it. He's hit the 40 mark. And I think we would expect against Augsburg that the chances are he'll be able to go beyond 40 and have that record um, on his own. Uh, You know, I think we need to cherish Lewandowski. I think those of us who are watching him now will be able to pass along to future generations that we saw this greatness in action. And I don't use those words lightly. You know, I think that we are watching somebody who is right at the top of the tree across generations as strikers go. And, you know, I grew up in the early 70s, born in the the late 60s. So I grew up watching Gert Müller And, you know, he was always the benchmark for me. There was no striker uh, in his stratosphere, even though some of his goals, many of his goals were sort of inelegant. He wasn't the overall athlete that Lewandowski is. But my goodness, as a pure finisher, nobody better. But Lewandowski has taken it to an art form. He's not just a finisher. He's involved in other aspects, too. He is a complete athlete. He is a complete footballer. And he deserves all the credit that has come his way this weekend.
2: I can't believe that yeah. um, he's done it in time for our 200th podcast. Time couldn't have been any better. <laughs> but I just want to echo a lot of the things that you're saying because I, I, I was born in 1984 and uh, I did not see Gerd Muller play live. Um, but growing up with the Bundesliga in the 1990s, you know the the top goal scorers were guys like Freddy Bobic with 17 goals or maybe a Mario Basler um, would maybe reach a 20, right? so Mario Basler and Andy Herzog, actually, I think, done 20 each. Um, 24, you know, that was already seemed like a lot. Then Grafite at one point at 28. Remember that? That was a lot. And and then all of a sudden, this guy shows up and um, reached 30 a few years ago that seemed like a lot already. And especially growing up in the 90s and early 2000s where, you know, I think Eelton had once 24, 25, you know, it, it it's not it's not like we've been spoiled by guys putting away 30, 35 goals or like no one ever came close. And then this year, um, I, I thought I would never see this year. I didn't think ever anyone would ever, ever break Gerd Miller's record. It's kind of the equivalent of, for those who are listening in from the United States, and I know there's a lot of people, it's kind of the equivalent when um, when Bond broke the the home run record, right, in in MLB, or um, if anyone in the NHL would ever come close to going over 90, 92 goals, the record that Wayne Gretzky set, and or touchdowns touchdown record by Tom Brady, like that's the kind of magnitude of record that we're talking about, and. I I think it's it's an incredible achievement, and even if he's gets stuck at forty, um, you know, just to equal it is just so incredible to score forty goals in just twenty eight games is something that I don't think we kind of we, in this era, um, is just remarkable, and I I know there was a lot of talk about the celebration afterwards, um, and a lot of people finding it disrespectful towards freiburg i don't know how you saw it derek i i thought the 10 seconds that that took um, we both live in north america right i think they would have stopped the game here and given a round of applause and probably played a video and all that sort of stuff and maybe we'll see it next weekend i don't want to give the dfl any ideas but i think it wasn't over the top at all
0: no and i didn't sense that freiburg thought it was over the top i think they Recognize that on that day they were part of history as well, and you applaud greatness, as I said. And so, yeah, for me, it was something that we were all anticipating, something that we knew probably was going to happen. When, of course, it's a penalty, then you can prepare yourself even more for it, and it might seem that bit more choreographed. But no, I'm, I'm with you on this. I, I, I think it was a one off moment, it was, it was one that was celebrated in the right way and let's see what happens next week if he gets to, to 41 or more
1: yeah absolutely incredible and as Derek said you know just appreciate what we've got here you know, every time you're watching a player, he scores a fantastic goal you know just really take it in and enjoy it because we're not going to see a player like this uh, every year or even every 10 years you know it's 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 going to be a, a possibly a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing um Manu, I suppose that the question has to be that you know once he's achieved you know such a record and he's won everything there is with uh, Bayern is there anything left for him do do you think he's going to stay do you think he, you that said he's going to stay
2: for another few years see out the rest of his career or can you see him moving on now oh there's been rumors um i think we all know where those rumors come from Pini Zahavi is going to ask the board um, to transfer the striker to another club. I think Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, in, in the best possible way, put cold water on this rumor right away, saying he's under contract under, until 2024 and why would you ever sell your best striker? And I think this is, this is the agent trying to sound out the market. And I think while Lewandowski maybe has some sort of aspirations to maybe show he can do it somewhere else too. Why would Bayern ever agree to something like this? And um, I think with that in mind, we can maybe bury any kind of um, rumors and talks about Lewandowski potentially leaving the club. I mean, keep in mind that this has happened before, right? And then he signed a a, a new long-term contract that kept him at the club. So this could be fish, him fishing for a little bit more money too, but I, I don't know. I can't, I can't see it happening. Um, Bayern Munich simply don't need to sell. They have all the money in the world. What would, what would you be possibly able to give them, to give up, a striker like Lewandowski?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would be very surprised if we don't see him uh, come the start of the season in a Bayern shirt. Derek, I suppose we need to go further down the table now and talk about teams that aren't having such joyous times and uh, talk about the relegation battle. There's plenty to uh, talk about. Plenty can still happen uh, going into the final match day. We've got Kuln, who are on 30 points. We've got Werder Bremen, 31, and Armenian Bienefeld on 32. Um much can happen. What, what way do you see this all panning out? Or do you have any idea more than anyone else? Well, I'll try to be completely objective
0: about this. I think uh, people who know me know that uh, I you know, have slight leanings in a in a coach direction, but uh, I'm perfectly capable of being unbiased trying to analyse the three teams and the three scenarios. Uh, I, I do actually think that even though Bielefeld obviously have the points advantage, So we're talking Bielefeld, we're talking Werder Bremen, and we're talking Köln. Uh, I'm not sure that, well, I'm not sure who actually has the best scenario. It might be Köln, because would you rather be at home against Schalke? Yes, they played out of their skins to beat Eintracht Frankfurt. Do they have another performance like that in them again? Probably a young Schalke team. uh, Or can Köln take care of business? Um, some people might have their doubts about that, but I'm of the belief if Kern win the game, they will not go down automatically. That is the belief I'm sticking to. So what I'm really saying is I can't imagine Werder Bremen, given all the problems they have, suddenly bursting into life and beating Gladbach when there's still something on the line for Gladbach in terms of European football. And Armenia Bielefeld, are they going to go to Stuttgart and win? Uh, I don't know. I, I Don't know that I can see that either. So I have a feeling that Curran, if they win the game, and that's the important thing from the FTA point of view, if they win the game and they're capable of doing it, I think at the very worst it'll be relegation playoff, but I think it might even be good enough for them to stay up automatically but i'll tell you what it's going to be edge of the seat stuff next week and i'm actually broadcasting the eintracht frankfurt freiburg game which is going to be a bit tranquil compared to um what's happening at the other end of the table with those three matches um i i think that it's a big gamble what Werder bremen have done um but maybe they just feel they're out of options at this point. And they've gone to Thomas Schaaf. They've gone to the legend. They're hoping that he can instill some confidence in them. Um, I think if they were going to make this move, they should have done it a few weeks ago. We've seen the effect that making a change has had on Kern with Friedhelm Funke, also on Bielefeld with Frank Kramer. Um, That has helped. And this just strikes me as very... Uh, lacking in decisiveness on the part of Frank Baumann and everybody at Werder Bremen. They thought they would get away with sticking with Florian Kofeld. They haven't got away with it. And now it's last chance saloon time. And I don't think it's going to be a very successful last chance saloon for Bremen. That's my feeling.
1: Manu, I, I can only imagine that you're going to echo uh, Derek's opinion uh, on the sacking of uh, Florian Kofeld. And not that, you know, uh, him being sacked uh, was, was particularly a wrong decision. But more just the timing it was
2: rather odd. I think people that listen to this podcast know that I probably would have sacked him last year. So I, I think it comes very late. I, I think Werder Bremen are a club that need renewal from the outside desperately. They need to, I mean, Thomas Scharf, great. here's another guy that's part of this Werder familie. Um, they need some fresh blood. That club needs journeying over from top to bottom and renewed. This used to be once one of the biggest clubs in German football and um, they're a shadow of that. And yeah, I, I, I can only echo all the other things that Derek said. I think the move comes way too late. Um, if you do something like that, you do it with a few games in hand and um, hope for the best. But yeah, I think Köln, if, if they win um, against Schalke and I think there's a good chance that they do, then I think there's a good chance that they finish at least 16th. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting going into that
1: final match day. Anyway, it's going to be tense times, especially for the fans of those three clubs. Um, Derek, just before we wrap up the uh, podcast, uh, just wondering, um, well, what are your opinions on who are the winners and losers of the Bundesliga season, in your opinion, whether it's a coach, player, um, team? I mean, who stood out for you, whether good or bad? I'll tell you one winner
0: who might appear to be a loser given what might happen. Oliver Glasner at Wolfsburg. I think he's done a fabulous job and maybe one that most people didn't expect. Um, He's had this tension in his relationship with Jörg Schmatke, the biggest of all the decision makers at Wolfsburg. And it's an open question as to whether Glasner is going to be in position next season. Uh, He'll have other clubs interested in him. It's a matter of what he wants to do should he not stay at Wolfsburg? But I didn't have them in the top four, I have to be honest. And I think the football is very effective. I think he's got the best out of a lot of players who maybe there were doubts about. I would say he's been helped by Schmatke on the signing front. I think that um, they've been spot on in terms of hitting their targets with the signings. But they strike me as, as maybe, you know, winners. But I would give it to Glasner just based on what he's managed to get out of a squad that I'm not sure with the best will in the world is a top four squad compared to some of the others. You know, I think that they could have been anywhere from, you know, fourth to seventh or eighth, um, depending on how the cards had fallen. So uh, I would say uh, he'd be one, Glasner, and the other would be Pellegrino Matarazzo, who I think has been nothing short of superb as coach of Stuttgart. And again, he's helped by having a very good structure with Thomas Hitzelsberger and Sven Mislintat. And they all certainly give you the impression that they're working together. They're singing from the same hymn sheet. It's a young squad. He hasn't been helped either by injuries in the second half of the season, but there is a really good coach and somebody we're going to be hearing a lot about in years ahead, Pedagrino Matarazzo
1: yeah I think I think that's uh, absolutely spot on with both of those Uh, Derek and I would probably say obviously Robert Lewandowski but uh, a little bit obvious that one but uh, probably Bo Svensson as well and Mainz I think he's done a fantastic job since he's come in they're in the same amount of points as Schalke and at the moment they've got 20 points more than them and you know they're not in this relegation battle whatsoever when at one stage I think a lot of people thought this might be the year that they would go down Um, Manu, is there anyone and winners or losers that Derek I I um, haven't mentioned so far that jumps out for you?
2: Yeah, I was actually going to say Pellegrino Matarazzo is the the winner of the season. I, I I can only echo what Derek said. He's done such a fantastic job, and to survive for more than one year in, in Stuttgart, I think, is um, something that you suppose you deserve a medal for in the first place. And then do it in this fashion is even better. So he's absolutely my winner of the season. Um, and I think for losers, Schalke, i <laughs> can't go much yeah, beyond yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that's an easy, easy. Yeah, answer. I,
1: I think pretty obvious that one as well. To be honest, uh, but um, yeah, I think that more or less does it for the uh, podcast uh, this week. We've we've managed to get through an awful lot of topics and. Uh, Derek, it's been fantastic having you on. We we, we enjoy um, hearing you, obviously, on the the different uh, games, the coverages, but also your your Twitter feed is just a delight. And we, we hope we can get you back on the uh, podcast very soon.
0: Oh, let's do it! I would love to. And um, thanks again for having me on. And yeah, thanks for uh, for doing what you guys do. And congratulations on episode number. 200. Let's let's hear uh, someday about episode number 1,000, and you know you can be the the Lewandowskis of, of Bundesliga podcasting.
1: <laughs> wow, wouldn't that be something else? I'll, I'll I'll have to take your address and find out where the nearest cigar store is for your <laughs> house.
0: Well, we'll call Pal Dardai, he'll be able to tell
1: us. <laughs> I'm sure he will. <laughs> well, that, that does it for the uh, podcast uh, today. Um I suppose uh, on behalf of Chris, Manu and myself, we'd just like to say uh, thank you for all the uh, listeners that we've had um over the years while doing this podcast. We've really enjoyed it and I hope that you lot have as well. And yeah, here's hoping as Derek said there's, there's a few more in us before we uh, hang up the microphones and headphones. But uh, that does it. Uh, this week we've got one more match day to go. We'll be back before you know it. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn of Vita Zen.